Hello and welcome to the Pixie Dust Project podcast where magic is as commonplace as Starbucks and being a Disney adult isn't a stigma. Today, Aaron and I are playing a little mashup game where we take some of our favorite movies and find a way to make them work together. Will we succeed in creating an actual storyline? Probably not. But first, if you like the Pixie Dust Project pod, we would so appreciate if you gave us a follow and a rating on your listing platform of choice. It's as easy as tapping the number of stars you think we deserve. As always, we do recommend five, but do what you want. And if you want to go above and beyond leave us a review well that would be pretty magical of you before we begin Aaron is going to kick us off with a Disney News Roundtable because we haven't had one in a while and there's quite a bit to discuss Aaron yes lots of exciting stuff this week it's great to be back thank you guys for tuning in to another episode we appreciate you guys so very much but for Disney News we're kicking it off shockingly with some Epcot news I know you guys are all just like totally surprised um we're talking about Epcot um but the Epcot behind the scenes tours have returned uh behind the scenes at living with the land the one hour walking tour um around the plants insects and fish also known as my dream Disney like extra if I could do anything I would love to do this tour um Peyton my husband wants to do the animal kingdom um safari trek thing I want to do this I want to walk around living with the land I mean budget wise last time I checked this was not an expensive tour I think it used to be like 40 dollars even if it goes up to like 60 it is way less expensive than the safari tour say less look look into that (laughs) we can do it together oh my god no I'm I'm dead serious because we almost booked it like a last we almost did like a last minute booking I mean this was several years ago and Everything has gone up in price, but I do remember this being one of the cheaper tours because it's just an hour and it's just like a walking tour. It's very low overhead for Disney. Next uh, is one that I actually do not have any interest in participating, but it's cool if you do. Uh, The Epcot Seas Adventure Dive Quest is back for scuba certified guests. You can take the plunge in the 5.7 million gallon saltwater aquarium at Epcot and swim with all the little sea creatures. Uh, so that's back and that one's a two hour one. Um, even though you only spend 40 minutes in your actual dive, but it's pretty cool. You get to see the backstage of the aquarium and all of that. Uh, I have no interest in diving makes me panic. (laughs) Really? Well, I was told, okay, so there, all right, maybe it's not this exact one. There used to be a manatee one that you also had to be scuba certified for. Um, but it was specific to the manatee tank that I would get scuba certified to do that. I love, I love me some manatees. Yeah. Now, Aaron, let me ask you this. Um, are they available now or are they perhaps available to start booking now? And they actually begin early October. It's a really good question that I do not know the answer to, but I can find that out. That is the, that is the answer. Um, because because I got really excited when I saw this article too. And as you guys know, um, and we'll do a little trip chat too to update you on Aaron and I's upcoming whereabouts. But as you know, I have a trip coming the end of September. And I was really excited. I was going to surprise my mom with the behind the scenes tour because she's always wanted to do it. Much like Aaron, maybe her and Aaron should go uh, together. Um, And I was decimated to find out that the tours don't actually start until early October you can start booking them now but you can't actually do them until early October at which point we won't be in Disney anymore dang they should make that a little more clear they really should yeah because I like 
the announcement was really exciting. Everyone was getting really excited. I literally had my credit card out, was ready to go. Oh and my they were gosh. like, oh no, you can book now, but you can't do it. That just means that you guys have to come back. <laughs> she says like, we don't already have our trip after <laughs> this one booked and ready. We actually have two trips booked and ready to go in addition to the one this fall. Very obviously we'll reiterate, very lucky, very blessed to be able to do that. Um, but I, it is a special occasion. Normally we always have two book, two trips booked at once, but we did the, we're doing the marathon. So we like wedged that one in there. Nice. So you'll be here kind of back to back a little bit. It's like a f- only a few months apart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is nice for me because normally we do two trips a year. We do fall and spring. Um, and the longest wait is the one from the fall trip to the spring trip, just because of like how sad and dreary winter is in the Midwest. Um, but so having that January trip is going to be really exciting. Plus I'm very lucky to work for a company that shuts down where client, we do client services. You know, I talk, Aaron, I talk about, I work in PR like she does. And the week between Christmas and New Year's is a very slow news week, which is half of our job. So my agency shuts down the week between Christmas and New Year. So I'll actually, because of this trip, be taking the longest break I've ever had since I started working. So I'll be off a little over two full weeks, which I don't even know what that feels like. I'm very excited. I mean, I do have to run 48 miles in that time, but it makes it worth it, man. The two weeks off makes it so worth it. I don't know. I think I'd rather work another week than run 48 miles. Let's be honest. I'm not going to run the whole thing. I'll be, I'll be very, I guys, I did a practice half marathon a couple weeks ago here in Ohio. Now I want to point out it was later in the morning. So it was in direct sunlight. It was 90 some degrees, super, super high humidity. It was the worst time. I I didn't think I was going to finish it. And like, as someone who's like, I was an athlete for most of my life, a very competitive ranked athlete. And that was like, that was never something I thought I'd say is I won't be able to finish this. It was brutal. So I am actually a little nervous. I'm fairly worried about that dopey challenge coming up, but I did get a treadmill for the house. So we're training, even if it means I don't step a single foot outside till the temperature drops. I hear you on that. It is so hot in Orlando. Yeah. Like so it's, hot. It's brutal. Um, all right. Well, I also have an exciting piece of news also centered around Epcot. Are, are we surprised? Uh, so this one actually might be a surprise to a lot of you what this piece of news centers around. Uh, because I feel like it hasn't been as widely talked about as I thought it would be. So I don't know if you know, but Epcot's 40th anniversary is this year, which is incredibly exciting because we are all Epcot girls at heart, I feel like, in this in this millennial Gen Z Disney community. And on October 1st, Epcot officially turns 40. Now, I was present for... Uh, I, I want to say MGM, but whatever, Hollywood Studios 
30th anniversary a few years ago and it was a madhouse I remember like the line for merch was three hours long they gave out a special lithograph like it was a lot and there was a lot of hype leading up to it and I don't know if it's just because of like the 50th anniversary hype but there has been no hype and no press around Epcot's 40th and I think people just don't know um but it is, it's October 1st. I will be there. Aaron will be there. We're very excited. And Disney has also filed a number of patents. Uh, this was covered, I think in June, Disney filed a number of patents in regards to 40th anniversary merchandise. So they are planning quite a bit for it. And we actually got a first look uh, this week or early, like late last week at some of that merchandise, which is a set of pins we love pins. Um, it is a pin for every Epcot uh, World Showcase Pavilion that is has the Epcot 40th special logo they design and a special character for each pavilion. So I'm going to ask Aaron, do you have this up? Like, did you look at this before? And if you if you don't ex exit, I think Aaron, I see Aaron's face and she knows where I'm going with this. Don't open it. Okay. Okay. I want to see if you can guess some of the characters that they put on the countries. Okay. Okay. All right. We're going to play a little, we're playing an impromptu game. All right. I love how I'm always the one that gets put on the spot. I know. <laughs> I feel really bad for Aaron. I don't do this on purpose. I just thought of this the second, cause I thought, I thought it'd be a little fun for us. I'll pick the ones that I think you like we should get. All right. Mexico. Is it the three caballeros? No, but it should be. Don't you think it should be the three Cavaliers? That would no. make sense. Who is it? It would make it's um Miguel from Coco. Oh well, that actually makes a little more sense. I mean, it, it does. I okay. Yes, it also makes sense. But the three Cavaliers, when it in regards to like a looking back at Epcot, I think make more sense. Yeah, that's true. Is it also maybe some foreshadowing? For, I think oh, it's for, I think they're definitely going to yeah. overhaul this pavilion for hundred percent. I um, honestly, right. as they should, I'm so excited for that. Yeah. They, once they refurbed the, I have a lot of like personal history. That's a story for a different time with the Mexico pavilion and that specific ride. And as soon as they changed it from like the more tourism focus and made it like the three Caballeros, it was ruined for me anyway. So by all means, make it Coco. It's a great film. Great music. Um, Norway. I mean, okay. If Mexico was Miguel, then this one's going to be Anna and Elsa. Olaf, but I'll give it to okay. you. Okay. Frozen yeah, adjacent. Frozen. frozen adjacent. Well, I mean, frozen period. Oh, frozen. Literally. <laughs> um, okay. Keep Olaf in mind when you think China. Mushu. Yes. Get it. Get it. All right. Germany. And just for the record, this is the number one pin that I want. One, because I'm German. Two, because my grandpa, his favorite restaurant in all of Disney was the beer garden. And three, because of the character they chose for this pin. Okay. That should help me, but it's not Germany. <laughs> is it, Pino it's not Pinocchio, is it? No, Pinocchio is Italy. I'll give you that one. What? He's Italian. Pinocchio is Italian. He's it's an Italian story. Geppetto. Hogan. That is Okay fine but yeah Geppetto it's an Italian name oh well um Germany yeah 
it's not a German character. Like that's, I, they awesome. like in theory, if they were doing this accurately, the character on this pin should be Snow White, but it's not, it's goofy. <laughs> and later well, I thought, <laughs> I thought that it would be, it was like goofy or someone like that, but I was like, oh, okay. Well, we've had movie characters from those countries. Okay. Well, yeah. I love a couple that for of you. these. Uh, right a couple of these are a stretch um Italy's Pinocchio the America Pavilion what's more American than Mickey Mouse yep it's Mickey and Minnie uh here's another one that's a stretch uh Japan it's I'll give you a hint it's a character that where their movie is based is deeply rooted in like Asian culture that's not going to help you. It's, no, it's Stitch. Not. Hawaii. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah. That's very much a stretch. It is very much a stretch. Like, um, for example, Baymax, whose movie is based in San Francisco, also could have been a phenomenal choice. But that is the pin Lisa will be purchasing. Uh, Morocco is Abu and the Flying Carpet. France is everyone's favorite mascot for France right now. Oh, my gosh. My favorite little rat. Yes, France is Remy, so we know which pin Aaron will be purchasing. Um, the United Kingdom is Winnie the Pooh and Friends, which like TBT to when they had that really cute Winnie the Pooh meet and greet in the back. So cute. And then Canada, the Canada is the one I cannot justify. I could like make justifications for all of them. Canada is Chippendale. Yeah, that one. I mean, I get it because they're like outdoors or whatever. <laughs> And, but honestly, the goofy one is a stretch for me too, but I love yep. that for you. And like your like story arc, my history. that's <laughs> perfect. That's perfect for the Sarah cinematic universe. Oh my God. I love that. I love that. You just said that. Yes. It, it honestly, I gasped, I guess it's aggressively on brand. It's so on brand. It's not even funny. I might have to buy two. I don't know. We'll see. I have to have like multiple within the home, but anyway, so that is my, my little piece of news I felt was worth highlighting one, because I don't think enough people know about this and they're clearly going to do stuff. And we all love vintage merch. And like, this is the time when they would showcase it. Um, and two, because I got really jazzed about the pins and wanted to put Aaron on the spot. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate uh, always being the guinea pig on all of these you're, episodes. You're more than welcome. Do we want to do a quick trip chat before we get into the, the, the bulk of the episode? Yeah, let's do it. I think you should start because yours is much more exciting. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe we'll see. So if you follow me on TikTok, uh, today, today is Tuesday. We're recording our episode for Friday. I posted it's every day is Disney on TikTok, by the way, it's the same as my Instagram. I posted about the Disney cruise because I am planning on going on a Disney cruise this fall. And I'm very, very excited. We're going on the wish. I've talked about it before, but what's hanging over my head constantly is the fact that despite being fully vaccinated, despite every other cruise line taking away their need to test before you get on the ship, you have to um, still test before two days before you get on a Disney ship. And that's not my update. It's just saying like, I am excited, but I'm also very anxious. But uh, tomorrow is the day I get to check in 
to the Disney cruise. I'm so excited. I had a fight with Reed last night because I thought it was today and not tomorrow. And I like, he came up to bed. I was half asleep watching a movie because I had a rough day at work. I went to bed at like 830, LOL. Um, but I was half asleep and I wake up and I'm like, where's your, where did you put your passport? Did you put it on my desk? Like I asked. And he was like, no, I'll get it in the morning. Reed won't get it in the morning. Reed wakes up with exactly 20 minutes before he has to get out of bed and get to the office so I was like you have to get it I like freaked out so I have Reed's passport a solid 48 hours in advance you have to upload a passport a photo of your passport and a photo of yourself as like an ID photo for while you're on the cruise but the most important part of check-in is you pick your port arrival time so gone are the days of just showing up when you want to parking and then go you you would used to go into the port check in and then they would assign you a boarding group and I think they're doing this to like limit the amount of people crowded in the terminal but I've also heard very negative things about the check-in process and people getting assigned really bad times um so yeah I'm I'm excited to get that over with I'll be doing that very early tomorrow morning and hopefully um, getting a good board, getting a good port arrival time, because then if my parents and I don't, because I'll be registering for me and Reed because we're in one cabin and my parents are in another cabin. Um, if we get different times, I know Disney is very understanding about these things. So we'll then have to probably reach out and be like, can we switch our times? Um, but yeah, it's imperative that I get there early because my number one goal should be no one's surprise is as soon as I get on the ship, I'm ditching my group and I'm going to secure us a reservation for the hyperspace lounge, which is the Star Wars themed bar on the ship, which I've heard reservations go very quickly. Like if you don't secure one within the first like couple hours of you being on the ship, you don't get to go at all because it's crazy. very small. I know it's, it seems like an oversight, doesn't it? <laughs> You can't do it ahead of time. That seems weird that you can't, I don't know. I've never been on a Disney cruise, so I don't know how these things work, but I feel like you should be able to do all of that ahead of time. You would, well, so the things you can do ahead of time are, uh, Apollo and Ashante is the name of the super fancy one on this ship on other ships. It's Remy. Um, and that all actually went really fast too. I don't know if, we, this was, I think before we started the podcast, but it was obviously while Aaron and I were friends, I stayed up to like midnight the night that my booking window opened and I'm a gold cruise member too. So my booking window opens earlier than most. I'm one cruise away, two cruises away from platinum. Um, I'm a gold cruise member. So my booking window opens faster than most. And all of the Apollo brunch reservations were gone. Almost all of the Remy and Apollo dinner reservations were gone. All, almost all of the alcohol tastings and mixology class gone. Um, so people are just really frustrated with the new way of doing things. I'm hoping though that I was given some hope by people that they hold back some reservations for some of these things for when you get on the ship. So like my goal, so for hyperspace lounge, you have to do it on the ship. And I think it's, it's similar to Oga's where you get 45 minutes and then you're kicked out and the next party's brought in. Um, but I'm also really hoping that I can maybe get into mixology class. I hold out less hope for that, but fingers are crossed. It's $40, but based on the one I did 
like five years ago, you get pretty well sloshed for $40 (laughs) and you learn a lot about mixology. So it's fun. (laughs) I love that. I can't wait to see all your pictures and just live vicariously through you. I'm really going to try to vlog. I'm really going to make a concerted effort this, this trip to vlog and like every trip moving forward. I was going to start, I have a YouTube channel that has nothing on it. And I was going to start in my, during my May trip. And I just didn't have it in me because it was, it's very intimidating. And it's, it's also so like my vacation, right? Yeah, like, it is. a break from content creation. I know. And it's so hard too, because it's like, I keep going back. I have this like internal battle with vlogging because I love going back and watching my old vlogs for memory purposes and things like that. But it's so hard because I want to do TikTok and I want to post on my Instagram stories and then having to vlog too on top of that. It's just, this is like such a whiny conversation, but it's just a lot. Like when you're trying to, I'm just trying to enjoy my evening at Epcot and I have like my phone in this hand camera in this hand, like trying to balance. It's just, it's too much. So I try to like pick and choose which platform I'm going to do that night, but yeah, I've kind of given up on vlogging. Yeah, I really, because like I enjoy, if it's not clear from this podcast, I enjoy talking so much that you would think vlogging would be super fun, but like I'm there with my family too. If I were to go on more solo trips, I think it would be different. Um, Also, I will say I really am happy with my choice of vlogging camera and then we can like end this tangent. I bought a GoPro instead of like the Sony camera everyone has. I think the Sony at the end of the day probably provides like a nicer like profile. So it's like, it focuses on your face and has like a nice bokeh, like a creamy background, but the GoPro is so light and so easy to carry around. And it's just like, they also um, came out with the grip that has like the built-in battery like the Sony does. So that was also a huge game changer with the GoPro. And there's a lot of mods you can put on it too, like lighting, and it's just so small and compact. So I have no excuse and it's waterproof, action proof. Like it's great. I have no excuse to not take it with me on things, but I'm going to try. I'll do my best. Um, but yeah, I'll have lots of content hopefully coming out of coming out of the cruise. I also invested in a smaller camera that's easy to travel with in my purse, like a, like a camera for taking actual photos, which if you follow me on Instagram, that's what I've been using for my latest feed photos. So I think I've, I've done some work to make it easier to make content while I'm on vacation and not have it be a burden on my family and on Reed. I feel that Peyton has officially become an Instagram husband. He knows the drill. We have like our little park routine. We go in, we take our pictures, we get all of that out of the way, and then we can relax, which sounds so, I don't even know. It just doesn't sound that great when you say it out loud, but this is it's like a hobby. So I enjoy it and he puts up with it. So that's what we do. I mean, I think that sounds healthy because that's kind of like what Reed and I do too. If we go out to dinner because I have to make content here at home, if we go places, I try to get it out of the way first, get a couple, make sure they were good. Like when we went to the Ohio State Fair, I made my TikTok that I, I had planned before we got there. I did that throughout the night. And then at the end of the night, when we had the really pretty like sunset is when we took a few photos. And the total time 
we dedicated to content creation after being there over two hours was tops 20 minutes. And I think it was more like 10 or 15. So at the end of the day, it's annoying in the moment, but if you actually look at the data, you're still enjoying, right? You're still enjoying your trip and like you're being in the moment and you're only doing right. It's not like you're going there and there's nothing wrong with this. I love watching these vlogs, but it's not like you're making the trip just to make content. Yeah. And I think it helps to go in with a plan too. Like yeah. I always know what photo spots I want to do. I kind of have an idea of the poses that I want. Um, and all of that stuff. So it helps to have a plan. And it's also fun too. Like some of my favorite ones have been impromptu, but I think it helps you at least know like what area you want to picture in because then we're just like wandering around aimlessly. Um, but like so, yeah. speaking of that, as Back our to trip chat, I think co-host. I kind of got derailed. Yeah. I was just going to oh. say like, as our, as our local co-host, where are you headed now that you're unblocked and can go now that I'm unblocked. Again? I'm so excited to be unblocked. I also, we also just renewed our annual passes yesterday. So um, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before yet, but at the beginning of COVID in 2020, we had the silver pass, the Florida resident silver pass. And we canceled it obviously during COVID because COVID. Um, So then in, in May of 2021, right? Yeah. May of 2021, we were able to reinstate them and get the silver pass again. Um, so like you had, we had to go to Disney Springs, talk to a cast member at guest services and like do the whole thing. So I had a silver pass up until yesterday and now we have the pirate pass. So I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for you. I'm very excited for you. It feels good to have the summer has been. It was hard and I missed the park so much, but also like my content suffered a lot too. So yeah, on Thursday, I am going to Epcot with Erica, our friend, Erica Canant. She was on our episode last week during, uh, doing a Mickey's not so scary recap. So we're going to Epcot together. We've never been to Epcot together. We've only been to magic and Hollywood studios. So I'm excited for that. I I wish you were, I, I just think every episode is my petition for, uh, Sarah to move to Orlando. I won't be moving to Orlando, but if Erin is even remotely serious about the offer of her guest bedroom, I like, I will say the one nice thing about where I live is once it starts hitting like fall, winter, and spring, I can get incredibly cheap airfare to Orlando. Um, So we might actually have to start having some serious discussions about content trips. I will take photos of you, whatever you want to earn that, that guest bedroom honestly it's yours and I'll I'll even throw in some dog snuggles for free moose would love nothing more than to have you here snuggle with moose that would make me so happy but yes so Thursday we're gonna be at Epcot Friday is our date night and I'm obnoxious and wanted to go to Hollywood Studios instead of like a real restaurant date somewhere um and then Sunday I'm going with my friend Rachel who is not a Disney Instagrammer but I'm trying to convince her to start a TikTok, um, but we're going to Epcot on Sunday. So I'm going to be at Epcot a lot coming up, but. Oh my goodness. You have a packed. I'm so jealous. You have like such a packed weekend. So many good plans. RIP to my feet, honestly. So much walking. It's good though. Get those, get those steps in, man. So that under desk treadmill I convinced you to buy is like training you for that moment. It truly is. I love that thing so much. 
so yeah. much. Um, all right. Well, while I contemplate how sad I am that I'm still in my month countdown and Aaron's going literally Thursday, which well, if you're listening to this yesterday, she has already been to Epcot. Um, I think it's time to get to the topic. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So today's podcast is courtesy of Reed, my boyfriend, who pitched me this idea over the weekend as we went to Target, a trip he did not want to go on. And Aaron was game enough to throw out our original plans for the episode and do this instead. So be kind to us because there was not a lot of prep time involved in coming up with these ideas. Uh, So the general theme here is the very popular trend. I don't know if I can still call it a trend because I feel like Glee made it a trend 10 years ago and now it's just like a thing, Um, but it's mashups where we take two Disney movies and find a way to blend them together and create a whole new movie that in theory will make sense from a plot perspective. Uh, We're going to each attempt three movies. And then I think on social media next week, we're going to have you guys vote to see which ones you'd actually watch. Uh, I also wanted to make a rule because when Reed game played this out with me, when he pitched it to me, all his episodes involved, all his movies involved time travel. And I think that's cheating. So if you want to have time travel or like some multiverse nonsense, that's fine. Only one of your movies can have that. Um, So with that said, Aaron, are you ready? I'm going to have you go first. (laughs) We'll alternate. Sounds good. I'm so ready. So My first one is a Toy Story and a Cars mashup. So technically the cars exist in the Toy Story universe so that there are humans. So like humans drive the car, obviously. Um, And then the human children play with the toys, right? So we have humans driving cars, adults driving cars, and then we have kids playing with toys. So then naturally, like in Toy Story, when the, the humans leave the room, the toys all come to life and they start interacting and doing all the things. So my idea for this was the same happens with the cars. So once, you know, there's all the cars in the parking lot at night or whatever, the cars all come to life and they start talking or whatever. That's so Um, good. Oh my, I couldn't hold it in. That's so good. So I had this idea too, that like, the kids leave the toys in the car and then the toys like take the cars on a joyride or something. I don't know. I didn't think it out further than that, but I think I would just love a toy like Woody in a pickup truck or something like that. I don't know, but just a world where the toys in the cars, because honestly, after and my mom and I just talked about this because I watched cars last week, I still look at cars and I'm like, I wonder if, you know, like after you watch cars, it's like, I feel like my car can talk. You yeah. know, I think so, that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. So that's my mashup, my first mashup. I didn't really elaborate further than that, um, but I imagine that they would go on some sort of adventure, the toys driving the car or hypothetically the car driving itself, however you want to look at it. Um, but yeah, I would love, to, I would actually personally love to watch that movie. I, I would watch that. I'm not even, as you guys know, I'm not like the world's like if I'm choosing a list of top three movies, Disney movies, there will not be a Pixar movie on that top three list, but I would watch that movie hundred percent. Do you want to know what sparked this idea? I would love, I would love to know. My oh precious, yeah. Your new phone case. My precious 
case to my phone case. They did not send it to me. I purchased it with my own coin, but it was worth every penny. It has Slinky Dog on the back. And you guys know my dog is a dachshund and he is my Slinky Dog. And so I had to get it. And I was like looking at my case on the couch and I was like, oh my God, Toy Story. That's perfect. Erin so, also my like miss I don't wear Mickey ears who has slowly been expanding her collection thanks to peer pressure um also has a slinky dog set of ears so I cannot wait to see her outfitted in those with her new phone case also I know coin is like common vernacular but because I live with a nerd and I am also a nerd all I could think of when you said that is the witcher on Netflix oh my gosh I don't I'm sure you haven't seen (laughs) Witcher is not Disney IP. It's a video game. And I think it's also a book series. I think it started as a book series. It did. And then became a video game that is widely, widely adored. And Henry Cavill, who is also Superman and many other characters. um, We love him. So gorgeous. Oh my goodness. Um, He plays the Witcher and he's also the world's biggest nerd which is just cool. Like I'll, we'll talk about it, not on the podcast. Cause if you're listening, you probably don't care, but I enjoy it. And there's a lot of like references to coin and that, and that's all I can think of when you say that. I love anyway. that. <laughs> um, that, that nerd outburst aside. Um, all right. So here's mine. I think Erin was a little more creative. Cause like she came up with like a whole new movie, I tried, I challenged myself to stick closely to the plot for some of these and like see what I could make work. Uh, This one is the one that sticks closest to the plot, I think. And then the other ones get a little more out there. So I'm also heavily influenced by Disney Channel, spoiler alert, which is weird for me because I was not like, it's not like I love rewatching Disney Channel movies, but Goofy Movie, the Goofy Movie, the first one. And Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, is my first mashup. So in Xenon, um, she gets sent down to Earth. So that still happens. Xenon gets sent down to Earth. But um, instead of the, and everything is animated, by the way, we're going to animate Xenon because I really feel like a live action Goofy and Max would just be horrifying. So we're not going to do that. Um, everything is animated. Uh, so Xenon comes down to earth and instead of it being the end of school in the Goofy movie, it's like, let's say like a few weeks before school. So Z before school's out. So Xenon and Max get a chance to meet they like each other that becomes the guy she's like interested in and then they start to realize there's something afoot with the space station very similar to this actual xenon movie but then of course goofy and max have to have their road trip but because space station living is like a thing in this universe their road trip is actually in outer space to like different planets and different stars. And the concert that Max wants to see is it's still Powerline, but it's like, we're, we're taking out Protozoa and we're putting Powerline in place of Protozoa. Cause I feel like they're very similar concepts and like Powerline is kind of like spacey anyway. And let's be honest, as much as I love Protozoa, Powerline slaps so we're keeping him in his music. So the concert is still happening on the space station. It's Powerline. Max desperately wants to get there. 
also you have like Xenon calling him, FaceTiming him, like giving him updates on like this mystery they're trying to solve. And so he feels it's his duty to like get to the space station to see the concert and also to help um, Xenon. I'm giving him some actual character development here where he's not just like a selfish brat that completely disregards this wonderful father-son time he's having with a complete angel that is Goofy. You realize that when you grow up, that you watch, you watch Goofy movies as a child and went, oh, how annoying. He just wants to see the concert, like let him live. And as an adult, you're like, oh, how dare you treat your angel father this way max so i'm giving him some redemption in my in my film he actually wants to help solve the help xenon and help solve this mystery so he changes the coordinates on him and goofy's space shuttle car uh to go to the space station and they end up there and they solve the mystery. Goofy inadvertently helps them in some way. And then I, I want to keep the ending where Goofy goes on stage and dances with the power line and everything. So that's that's my Goofy movie Xenon mashup. I love that. I love how that was like very unpredictable. Goof, the, the Goofy and Xenon pairing. Because I feel like mine yeah. was very like, oh, Pixar. Uh, but yours was very outside of the box. I love that. I... So I'll be honest with you, I had floated a couple ideas by Reed when he like first pitched this to me as we were driving to Target and he shot down many of them for being unoriginal. <laughs> so I really challenged myself to think outside of the box here. What? Let's hear, we need to bring Reed in. What would he do? Because I would like oh, to hear his ideas. If yours were so unoriginal. All of Reed's ideas were based on the concept of time travel. Um, oh, I think he did one where he was like, what if you mix like Baymax and Aladdin? I was like, the why? Or maybe it wasn't Baymax, but it was some out there character. And he's like, and I was like, how are they mixed with Aladdin? He's like, well, they get sucked into a time portal and like end up in the Middle East. I'm like, if that's what all your movies are going to rely on, then you're not creative either. Oh my God. Has Reed ever watched Doctor Who? No, I have. And I keep telling him, I think he would like it, but Reed is always like, no, I think Reed doesn't like British television. British television is my favorite television. Agreed. He doesn't like it because he's like, well, it's just a different kind of humor. I'm like, you mean like not dumb? Like elite humor? <laughs> like smart humor? Does Reed think The Office is funny? Uh, the original or the US one? The original. Or I guess no, I don't the know. The US, sorry. I don't know why I asked. He hasn't watched either. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry to all you Office fans, but I feel like I don't know. I don't want to get attacked. I don't think The Office is that funny, but um, I, I think British humor is elite. It is elite. I think The Office is more cringy than yeah. It's like that awkward. Those first few seasons were tough to watch. Parks and Rec is way better. I haven't tried Parks and Rec because I like I liked The Office when I watched it the first time, but now in retrospect, I don't think it's as funny. Um, you should watch Parks and Rec. I think you'd like it. And then also, you should watch. Um, you might have to get like a one month subscription. I think you can do it for free um, to BritBox, but which is a wonderful thing to have. My top recommendations for British television, if you're in the market, The Vicar of Dibley, which I have a client who's British 
And I actually brought that up to her. It's very old. And she was like, wow, I haven't thought about that show in like a decade. The title of that show alone is aggressively British. (laughs) The Vicar of Dibley. Yeah. It's about a female, a vicar for, I don't know who's, if anyone is listening is religious at all. It's the equivalent of a priest and it's a woman priest. And the woman who plays it is also a stand-up comedian. And the whole, and it takes place in this like tiny village and like, it's not olden days, but it's like, I don't know. I think it's like the seventies or eighties or something. So it's like not normal to have a female vicar. And she's also just very um, modern. And like, she like finds love throughout the series. It's, I might have to start watching that again. It's my comfort show for sure. And then uh, Father Brown, which is a mystery show also starring a priest. I don't know why so many of these British shows have like some sort of uh, religious figure as their main character. And then um, Midsummer. Ooh, I don't remember. It's, it's another mystery. That one is a lot darker. So if you like, like uh, it's like the British version of Law and Order. It ran, right. I think it's still running. It's in like the, tw- like, 20 something seasons it's changed over main characters and it can get kind of brutal at times but it's so good so good anyway interesting I had a really I had a really really big British face in high school it's a very weird thing to have um I was obsessed with Doctor Who obsessed with British pop bands and also like had like British flag sunglasses and a, a British flag pillow on my bed. It was very neat, like strange. The Union Jack. Back. Yeah, I don't understand. I think it was just I don't know. And it was the Harry Potter. It was just there was a whole there was a whole thing. So there's just anyway. something about the UK. Like I went when I went to London for the first time. I went there by myself for a week. Um, I worked I worked there for a week, and there's just something about it. I'm not gonna say it's better. But like seeing buildings that are older than this country is wild. It is absolutely also I feel like my humor aligns better with British people than it aligns with US. I had again, this was several years ago. I had a British client whose biggest compliment to me ever was um everyone, if you didn't have an American accent, everyone would think that you were European. And I think that I've wow. lived my life keeping that in in mind (laughs) like ever since that I've just held on to that I would get that tattooed on my forehead oh yeah a hundred percent so yeah um I don't know how we got on this topic but we love the UK I think it started and I highly recommend British television (laughs) yes also my last British television plug is Love Island UK you can watch it on Hulu excellent it's premium television. Um, and there's like a hundred episodes each season. So, <laughs> all right. Next movie and getting this train back on the tracks, but honestly, I love our side chats because I think that's, Same. that's truly the meat and potatoes of this podcast. So anyway, <laughs> so my movie again, we're all going to be shocked at this mashup. So I'm combining the princess diaries and the parent trap. So my thought process here is that Hallie and Annie go to summer camp the summer before Mia finds out that she is the princess of Genovia and she's their camp counselor. They make a connection, whatever, um, hypothetically, uh, 
I don't know geographically, this is going to make me sound really dumb. I've never been to California. I don't know how far wine country is from San Francisco. Where? It's close. Okay. No, it's, okay, it's, so- no, that's actually super accurate. Like 45 minutes to an hour. Beautiful. So it's close. So Mia and, and uh, Hallie stay in touch, whatever, all of that fun stuff. So all of that happens. She finds out she's going to be a princess. So this is, this, this is how. Ha- this is hypothetically so like uh, Annie and Hallie go back to summer camp after they find out their sisters. Um, so they already know that they're okay. sisters. So this is like next year, whatever, looking in the future. Um, so princess Mia is, you know, the coronation's coming up and they're like, Hey, we know a lady that can design your coronation dress. So she, her dress is an Elizabeth James it's gorge. Um, and then, they go to the coronation later on. She designs that gown and Nick opens a winery in Genovia and they have a pear wine. Wait, I love this. So it's almost like a mashup sequel to parents. Yeah. Like where like the parents have already reconciled and like we're seeing out. So it's almost like one of those movies where it starts like, you know, what like summer of 1996 or whatever this movie came out. And you see like them meeting, like almost like clips from the original parent trap, but like me as their counselor. And then like, it goes to like one summer later and like they have their family back together. They're good to go. But now Mia's life is falling apart because I would hundred percent watch that movie million percent. I want the merch. I want a ride. Yeah. I want everything. I think it just all, it all lines up perfectly. Like the, the I want wine the pear country. wine. Like I want Genovian pear wine. I want yeah. an Elizabeth James X Princess Mia collab. And I just, yeah, I just think, and then a winery presence in Genovia. I just think it makes a lot of sense. It does. There like, seem the to vibes. be an agricultural people. Yeah. I just think, I, I think it. that the vibes are there. I think you're a hundred percent right. I think you're very much onto something with that. I love it. I absolutely Hire love me. it. Seriously? Disney hire me. <laughs> you guys, this is our audition to be like producers for Disney. <laughs> we think these are good ideas. Um, my And then on all of the movies, the characters are all British. <laughs> yes, every single one of these movies slap a British accent on and that is our dream. I actually, um, I, I wanted to give a quick shout out. I just, I'm like, I've been having a very hard time at work the last couple of weeks. Um, and a lot of my work is like, I sit down and I write stuff or I walk on my under desk treadmill and I write stuff, uh, whenever I'm not on the phone. And so I like to watch Disney vlogs while I do that to like insert a little bit of magic into my day, just in the background. And I've been running dry on vlogs that like, really like make me feel the magic. And today I started watching Adam Haddon, uh, and his friend Gary, uh, Adam is a published author and a Disney vlogger, and both of them are from the UK. And I started watching because I wanted to see their trip on the Disney dreams. And so that's what I'm planning for, or the Disney wish, because that's what I'm planning for. And then I just like fell down the rabbit hole. So I'm currently in the middle of watching their 14 day trip. And there's a video for every day to Disney oh world gosh. and the British accents, the like British slang and language like everything I'm, I'm after we get off recording this podcast I will be watching more I don't care what Reed does for the rest of his evening this is what I'll be doing I'm very excited so just a little plug for Adam I love that I'll have to I saw it on your Instagram story today I'll have to go check them out 
big fan, big fan. Just injected quite a bit of joy into my day. But all right, I think it's my turn. So this is where I no longer have notes. I just have titles, like the two movies I want to mash up. So we're going to see how this goes. All right, so this is my like hardcore Disney Channel original one. Um, I know I'm going to get some feedback for this. So I'm just going to get out of the way. The two movies are Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, which was one of my most favorite Disney Channel original movies back in the day. And then High School Musical, which is a movie I could honestly live without. I said it. I'm not a High School Musical stan. It, was it good back in the day? Did I like it? Did I watch it? Yes. Do I still see the hype and appeal now? No. Like if a High School Musical song comes on, I skip it. I'm sorry, Erin. I can see I the can't. disappointment in your Zoom bubble. I I agree. I think High School Musical, the first one, like it's a classic. It It's my whole childhood. But I think High School Musical 2 is the elite one for sure. You know what? I do, again, I don't love any of them. But if I were to pick one, I actually do really. Like that's the one where they're at the country club, right? Mm-hmm. Like the summer. Yeah. Love, if anything, because I was a golfer. So I love that golf is heavily featured. Yeah, in that film, um, I also was a big Sharpay fan. Loved her. Thought they did her a little dirty. She was maturing. Maturing is realizing that Sharpay is not the villain in the high school She's not. movies. She has dedicated not. her life to like doing this, and then all of a sudden, this girl. Anyway, we could go on. We could have a whole episode about that. Um, stay tuned for episode twenty nine. Sharpay is not the villain. Um. Anyway, these, this, I've decided to mash this up. I'm going to tell you why. We're going to ask some main characters here as well. Much like how Aaron's last movie was almost like a sequel to The Parent Trap, but like the actual Princess Diaries movie, this is going to be more of a spinoff of High School Musical. So you know how they have Disney often publishes books or other movies that's like from the point of view of another character. So this is a movie from the point of view of uh, the perspective of Zeke Baylor, which if you recall is the guy that liked to bake. So when they were doing the song talking about like not everything in the world is athletics, like some things like we do that go against the grain, which like, you know, if they made this movie nowadays, I feel like they'd get a lot of flack for that because they'd be like, of course, guys could bake too. Same with Million Dollar Cook-Off. The whole premise of that was cooking is for girls. So not super PC nowadays, but I like the idea of making High School Musical from the perspective of Zeke and Zeke would take the place of Eddie. So if you recall from Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, Eddie was a baseball player. His dad wanted him to focus on baseball. All his teammates wanted him to focus on baseball. But Eddie in Home Ec realized he loved to cook. He was really good at it. And he was encouraged by his teachers and stuff. And he signed up for this cook-off. And of course, spoiler alert, that's been out for like 20 years. So that's on you. At the end of this movie, his dad comes around and acts as his like sous chef in this cook-off and he does it in his um, baseball uniform and everything. So I thought it would be really fun if we took that concept and basically made it all about Zeke. So all the other high school musical stuff is happening in the background. Like, I think that's what's fun. It's like, you see all of the events from the perspective of Zeke, like watching 
Gabrielle and Troy get together, like maybe Zeke and Sharpay form a bond and you get to see another side of Sharpay that you didn't in the original movie because she is not a villain and that would 100% be showcased in my movie. And then it all culminates um, in this big cook-off because, you know, Troy and Gabriella, their whole thing was the musical. For Zeke, it's cooking. And so for him, his like final moment is this uh, bake-a-thon. And just to appease Aaron and I's love of all things British, maybe it's like the Great British Bake Off High School Edition is what he competes in, another show that I binge religiously. And that's, that's my movie. They're still singing. They're still dancing. It just is focused around baking. And uh, Zeke is our main character. I actually love that because I feel like Zeke didn't get enough credit in no. any of the movies. And then at the end, they're just like, oh, here's a creme brulee for Sharpay or whatever he made for her. And then like, that's all yeah. we get. So I actually love that and would absolutely watch that. I'm, I'm so happy. I, I, as a non-high school musical stan, I think I would get really in. And, and I mean, I do love to bake, but I think I'd get really into that too. No, I love that so much. My final movie is also food themed and it features our favorite rat, not Mickey Mouse, LOL, uh, but Ratatouille and Encanto. So Remy opens his restaurant in France. We all know how Ratatouille ends, Uh, but he decides he wants to branch out and learn how to cook other cuisines from other countries. So he hops on a little rat plane to Colombia and he goes and meets Mirabelle and her family. And (laughs) I'm laughing at Sarah laughing at rat plane. Um, (laughs) I'm dying. (laughs) He hops on a rat plane. All right, I'll stop. I love that this universe caters to rats as much as they do humans. Think of the emissions. They're so much lower in a rat plane. Maybe he gets Stuart Little on board too. I don't know. We're just going to, all of the rats and the little mouse from uh, the Aristocats as well. They're all present. Um, Anyway, so Remy decides he wants to learn how to cook Colombian food. So he goes and meets Mirabelle and her family and takes cooking lessons from Mirabelle's mom. And they open a little restaurant and he employs all of the rats that live in Bruno's room as his rat employees for his uh, Colombian restaurant. But um, that's as far as I got with that. I just thought it would be really cute to see Remy kind of branching out. I also I toyed with the idea of Coco as well um, for him learning how to cook Mexican food. But I thought that that would no, be super wins. cute. The it, it For me, it was the you tying in the rats in Bruno's room that like to me I even know what I'm doing next and I think this is the winner this is really cute I would just love to see that yeah little rat chefs Colombian rat chefs I don't know I think it would be any Disney movie with cooking in it is gonna get a gold star from me so true like a hundred million percent is gonna get a gold star for me but I love, oh my goodness, I love that so much. Also, we could really go down a rabbit hole with Stuart Little because if you, not that that was what this movie was about, but she mentioned it. So Aaron really opened the door here. Um, Read 
likes to contribute to my love of Disney and like nerdy things by showing me YouTube and TikTok videos and he re- and reels and he recently showed me um a reel that was this guy talking about if you actually read the book Stuart Little they never say he's a mouse they say he's just this tiny little human with mouse like features which changes the whole context of the film that's Look so it. interesting it's a re- it's a it's a hole that you will fall down interesting i i remember reading the book as a kid but i don't remember i don't remember that that's like the the thing where everyone said the Barons, the Berenstein Bears used to be the Berenstain Bears, or vice versa. It was like the logo. I it's the Mandela effect, which yeah. is one hundred percent real because the Berenstein Bears one. That whenever they show me those photos, that is one that I'm like, no, it's definitely the the way that they're saying is not historically accurate. And I'm like, no, I I know that I'm right about this. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, so A A plus plus. That was a phenomenal. What do you think Remy's favorite dish is in the Encanto universe? I don't know. I need to brush up on my Colombian food. I feel like it would have to be something with cheese. So probably like an arepa, which like what yeah. what she makes for Mirabel to fix her hand. Yeah, I would say probably that, but I feel like Remy yeah. would put his own little spin on it. Probably add some herbs to Provence. Mm-hmm. Some. Black Plague, all that jazz that rats carry. <laughs> um, just kidding. I love Remy. I think a rat would make an excellent chef in a real kitchen. I saw a TikTok that, uh, and then I, I promise I'll do my last one. I saw a TikTok that was this guy that was like um, impersonating Linguini. I wish I had, I didn't save it, so I don't have his handle. Um, but it was like the, it was the, restaurant critic going like what do you have and it's that trend where it's racks on racks on racks and he makes it like rats on rats on rats oh my gosh (laughs) and I died I saw that at my lunch break today and I just like I needed that laughter midday it was great um all right I'm gonna round it out so to to call back to where Reed was criticizing me for not being original in my ideas. And Aaron was like, I want to hear these ideas. Aaron, I'm going to give you one because half of this was one of those ideas. And I like couldn't bring myself to do the full one. So I really wanted to do something with 101 Dalmatians because it takes place in London. And like, really, I'm playing very heavily into this. I didn't even know we were going to talk about our love for British television, but I love 101 Dalmatians. Um, and I was like, oh, Oliver and Company. Boom, easy mashup. And I love Oliver and Company. I think it's a very underrated Disney film. And Reed's like, that's two movies about dogs. You can't do that. That's too easy. Like, cool. So instead, we will be doing The Aristocats, which is a movie about cats. So there you go, Reed. You don't listen to this. You won't ever hear this, but there you go. I changed it. So my mashup is the Aristocats and 101 Dalmatians. And I do realize that I have chosen some obscure movies. So if you need to look these the plot lines of these up on Wikipedia in order to understand my mashups, go for it. If you have to look up the plot of the Aristocats, please don't tell me because I'll be really upset. Hey, it's a classic. I feel like it's a classic, but it's a classic that some people haven't seen. I understand. I the Aristocats is also 
home to, I feel like we talk about this on TikTok. I say we, I've never talked about this on TikTok, but I've seen this on TikTok that like that bowl of milk or like the stuff that the poodle gets always looked so appealing like the biscuit dipped in milk every time I see this I'm like I need that how is this look so good creme de la creme de la Edgar Edgar (gasps) see Aaron's a true fan I I, have that off my head my uh VHS of that movie got it's got its money's worth for sure I also love the Aristocats. Uh, what is it? Ladies don't start fights, but we can finish them. I yes, start our fights. sassy queen. Our I sassy also finish queen. them. Yeah, I do both. I'm a, I'm a multi-talented woman. <laughs> um, but okay, so you're probably thinking, all right, that's great at all. What's the actual plot line? So in the Aristocats, uh, again, spoilers, but again, you shouldn't need them because it's a really old movie, you guys. Um, in the Aristocats, the old woman who owns the cats is very, very rich. She has a very large fortune. And she has a very loyal butler named Edgar. And everything is great and dandy until she tells Edgar that she's amending her will so that her inheritors are her cats, which quite frankly, again, as an adult, like looking back, I see, I see Edgar's villainous arc here because. The man was getting screwed because of some cats. The cats do not need multi-millions of dollars, but Edgar could have used that money, served this woman loyally anyway. I'm, I digress, but Sharpay wasn't the villain. I don't think Edgar was the villain either here, but she's very rich. She, you know, she's making her will, all of that. In my universe of this movie, she is one of the main investors in Corella DeVille's fashion company. And because it is no longer okay, according to PETA and many other people, to wear fur, Corella is losing some money. Corella's stock prices are tanking. It's not going well for the house of DeVille. And so Corella is desperate for more money. And as an investor, you know, she, she knows how much money this woman has. So when she finds out from, when Corella finds out from Edgar that she's leaving her money to her cats, a villainous plot begins to develop between her and Edgar to get their hands on this woman's money. I'm also saying this woman because I don't actually remember how she's referred to in the film. I don't know, Aaron, if you recall, we're, we're looking, the studio is looking it up. Is it's, oh, it's Madame Adelaide. Yeah. Cause I was definitely going to remember that. Yeah. I think so, they just refer to her as Madame. Madame. Okay. So that's what we'll call her. So Madame is getting up there in years. Corella wants to get her hands on that money. Edgar is going to get a cut. Um, and so now the cats are on the run. The cats are on the run and they, who do, who do they meet? But the 101 Dalmatians who are also on the run from Cruella because Cruella thinks despite 
all the press to the opposite that this Dalmatian coat collection is going to like turn it around. It's going to be her savior. And she's actually going to lie and she's going to say it's fake. But like the whole thing here is her idea is that she's going to launch this like sustainable this is in taking place in modern day by the way sustainable um fur alternative collection and everyone's going to be amazed by it because it seems so real because it is because she's a liar because Corella Deville is a villain so she wants the Dalmatians for that and then she also needs Madame's money so it's just like a wacky comedy where you take her normal um sidekicks and you replace Edgar and then I'm also thinking Uncle Waldo who's the goose I think he's actually good in the Aristocats but he reminds me of Corella's henchman with his little hat so we'll throw him in there we'll throw we'll make we'll throw him into the dark side uh we're not gonna have the Siamese cats because time has taught us that was not cool which a lot of stuff has taught us that in some Disney cartoons over the years. So we're going to have Uncle Waldo be the bad guy. And then we're also going to have Edgar and Corella. And it's going to be a rollicking good time of shenanigans of cats and dogs working together. And obviously it ends with a happy ending. Is, is Scat Cat there? Scat Cat is there. Yeah, Scat Cat is there. We'll just have different piano players. Oh, also it ends with um, Madame pulling her investment in Cruella's fashion house and investing in Anita and her her designs. I love that. Yeah. Very interesting. I hope it's not. So fun fact about me. I thought that 101 Dalmatians was scary when I was a kid and my mom had to carry me out of the theater for the live action one because I was screaming and crying. Oh, I love um, the live action one. That was so a VHS that. that got a lot of use in my house. <laughs> I think it might have uh, been the sequel because I was not born when the first one came out. Um, I was going to say, Aaron, like I think the it was the second one. Dalmatians. Yeah. That would make sense. The live action though, Glenn Close ate in that movie. She left no crumbs. Also fun fact, Glenn Close negotiated with Disney as part of her contract that she got to keep all her costumes. And by the end of the film, I know, right? By the end of the film, Disney was like, oh, that's a lot of, because she wore some nice things in that mm-hmm. movie. And Disney was like that. So they offered to make her replicas and she was like, no, no, that's my contract. And then I think she ended up donating all of the costumes to a museum or something. Absolute power so cool. moves from Glenn Close. I thought she was phenomenal in both of those films. I should probably, I should rewatch them now that I'm older and know that it's just a movie and they're not actually harming dogs. <laughs> Do we, they were the, there were parts of those that, like I said, she ate, like she committed to that role. And there were moments where you were like, oh, wow, this is a crazy woman. Did, she, do we think they're on Disney plus? We'll have to look at that. Cause I could rewatch I think so. those too. The studio will um, check. The studio will, will check on that. But yeah, so that's, that was my, my thought of taking uh, of course, when I am talking about 101 Dalmatians, I am talking about the animated. Yes. I think, is, was that confirmation from the studio that they are available? Confirmation from the studio, both the animated and the live action versions are available. Phenomenal. Well, there you go, you guys. Those are your six super duper, honestly, more original than I thought they would be 
starting out because we really took the mashup and we each had our own interpretation. I think we had some that were like on track with the plot lines of the original where they truly were mashed together. And then we had some that were like very original movies that I honestly think Disney could make within their IP and have a lot of fun with it. 100%. They would have to credit us. We'll take executive producer. We'll take no less. No I'll just take the that. paycheck, honestly. I and need free both. Disney trips for life. I need the credit as well as well as the paycheck. The red carpet appearance, my outfit. Oh, the outfit I would wear to the Aristocats 101 Dalmatians mashup. Oh you guys aren't ready. Aren't ready. That's iconic. Oh my gosh. The outfit I would wear to my Princess Diaries premiere. Wow. We could have a whole separate episode on that. Just, just describing our premiere outfits for our fake movies that we'll never get me. I love that so much. This is probably one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. Not that we've done like a ton, but I think this was really fun. This is number seven. I, I think this was too. I think this one and I really want to say the Star Wars one, but I know that that wasn't Aaron's favorite. So I will say Dream Disney Day was, was also Mm. really fun because I think, I think we had a lot of joy just criticizing each other's choices. A hundred percent. Had a lot of fun with that because uh, we've gone so many times that like we know. But yeah, this is we can thank thank you again to Reed uh, for coming up with this great idea. Thank you to Aaron for going along with it on such short notice. That is very much appreciated. And thank you to all of you wonderful listeners. This is our seventh, I believe, our seventh episode and. We are so grateful for all of your continued support. We've been seeing a lot more reviews on Apple and on Spotify and literally the amount that every single one means to us. I, I can't even tell you, like when we started this, we just thought, you know what, what a fun way to spend one night a week talking about Disney, catching up on each other's lives. And I know we don't have the largest following. I know that. Um, We still have a lot of room to grow and expand with our downloads, but the support that we have received from all of you is so, I'll get emotional and I'm not a very emotional person. It's so touching. And I just want to say like how much, especially because this is now one of our new favorites we've ever recorded, how much we appreciate you all sticking with us on this, on this whole journey. Yes. Echoing everything Sarah said, I love seeing when you guys tag us in Um, that you're listening to the episode on the way to work or at your desk or whatever. We just love seeing that. So definitely please tag us. If you love the episode, Um, reach out to us, message us. We love talking to you guys and interacting. So thank you for being here and we love you guys so very much. And with that, that is a wrap on today's podcast. Thank you all. And remember to tune in next week for another fun tangent filled time. Yes, always a tangent filled time. And if you guys want to keep up with us during the week, follow us on Instagram at Pixie Dust Project Pod. And Sarah and I on Instagram are Everyday is Disney and Aaron goes to Disney. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>